0: Welcome to Baldhead Bible Podcast, making the Bible come to life. Featuring the expository story preaching of Dr. John Katzian. And so they were, Paul and Silas, sitting there in these stocks in the darkest, dankest part of the prison. Basically thrown to the inner prison where they were going to be forgotten. Remembered no more, just left for dead but instead of moping and getting angry and wondering what in the world is God doing and accusing God of all these things instead Paul and Silas it says in Acts chapter 16 were singing and singing hymns and praying and I think they were singing hymns loud enough that the other prisoners heard them you know the other prisoners around them the other prisoners above them I think maybe even the Guard, the main jailer, when he came in to check things out, he heard these two crazy followers of the way singing, even in the middle of all their broken ribs and pain, and the middle of those painful stocks, they were singing praise to their God. And I wonder if that stuck in his head. Well, here are Paul and Silas. Wondering what the future has for them. But they're trusting in the promises of God. And they're singing praises to their God when all of a sudden they hear it. It's like a big rumble. I think Paul looks at Silas, and Silas looks at Paul and goes, is that where we're thinking? And all of a sudden, the whole room begins to shake like they've never felt, and it's an earthquake. What's interesting, it's a very specific earthquake. This earthquake didn't hit the whole city. No, it hit the jail. Well, in comes that earthquake and rumbling, and it causes the doors of the prison to swing open, and it causes their stocks to fall off their feet. And then it stops. And they are free. At this point, they could run. They could make a race right out that door. And the jailer says in Acts 16 that he woke up. He was probably at home. Now, back in that era, the jailer was probably some old Roman centurion, some basically old Roman general who moved to Philippi to retire, to take it easy, to just sort of live out his later years in a nice, pleasant retirement, and ever so often check on the jail and, you know, do some marching around. But this was it. This was the end. You know, he was taking it easy. Well... The problem is, if a prisoner escaped back then, you as the jailer were responsible for the prisoner. You as the jailer had to pay the ultimate price. And if a prisoner escaped, your life was on the line. So when he woke up and he saw and heard this earthquake, and then he saw that the earthquake specifically hit the jail... I can imagine he starts running towards the jail, because remember, this, about midnight, so it is dark for this earthquake to hit this jail, and here comes the jailer, and he wakes up, and he maybe leaves the guardhouse where he'd been taking a nap, and starts running towards the jail, and then he sees the doors of the jail swung open. I can imagine he grabs a torch and he begins to run in, and he sees that all the prisoner's shackles are off. They're just laying around. He's probably standing there right in the middle of the opening to the jail, and he's thinking, they've all escaped. They've all escaped and it says that he took a sword. He drew his sword because he was going to kill himself because his life is on the line for all these prisoners having escaped and I can imagine he takes out the sword, puts it in front of it and is in front of himself and is about to thrust it into his belly when he hears, hey, jailer, jailer, come here it's from down below that inner prison and he runs over and back then they had this big hole where you could look down on the prisoners down far below and i wonder if he came up to the hole on that second level and peered down and there was paul and silas you know and and there's paul yelling out hey don't worry jailer Don't harm yourself. We are all here. And what he meant by all is he meant all. All the prisoners were there. And so he carries his torch and he runs down into the inner inner prison there and he holds it up. And so the light fills that inner prison and he looks over there. There's 20 prisoners and there's 10 more and there's Paul and Silas. I think these prisoners, they could have gone, they could have run, but I think they came down because they wanted to find out who these men were who, instead of swearing and cursing at their God and at their circumstances, they were singing. I think Paul and Silas had an opportunity that whole day to share God, to share Jesus with these prisoners. And I think they were gathered around him to hear more. Paul and Silas are telling the men there about Jesus. And it says that the jailer, he asks them to come outside. And then he asks them. The jailer asks Paul and Silas this question. And I just want to say that this question is the most important question you can answer in your whole life. This question is one that you need the answer to. The jailer looks at Paul and Silas and he asks him this Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Sirs, what must I do to be saved? I can imagine the jailer falls to his knees... And he is just in awe of the fact that all these prisoners stayed. These men with a supernatural ability to sing in the middle of their suffering and to praise their God. He'd maybe heard of the demon-possessed girl being saved and the demon, the python spirit departing her. He'd probably heard of Lydia, the rich woman being saved. And he realized, I want this. I want what these men are offering because... Their God changes their lives, transforms their lives for something good. And so he just blurts out, What must I do to be saved? And then Paul gives the very simple answer. And that simple answer is true today. It is not hard to get saved. He says simply this Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. It just takes belief. Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Peter earlier in Acts chapter 2 talks about all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Just ask him to save you and he promises he will. And that's what Paul says. Believe on the lord jesus christ then you'll be saved jailer listen you have lots of gods to choose from you could worship the emperor fact you're commanded to but don't you could worship the whole pantheon of gods that are celebrated in athens and greece with all these memorials and with all these statues you could celebrate them and rome has all their gods too you could follow them but don't instead believe in the Lord Jesus. Will you do it, jailer? Will you do it? And it says there that the jailer believed in the Lord Jesus and he brings him back to his household. And I believe there, Paul and Silas begin to witness there. And it says that the jailer and his whole household are saved And that same night, he brings them home and he starts to wash their wounds again and to take care of them. And then the whole family, the next day or maybe later that day, you know, as it happened at midnight and it's starting to get light, they were baptized all at once, him and his whole family. So think about it. This church, the first church in Europe, essentially there in Greece in the town called Philippi, Its three founding members are a very rich businesswoman, a slave girl who had a python spirit, a demon removed from her, but she didn't have any money. She was poor, but man, she had a transformed life. And then an old centurion, an old general, who stopped following Caesar, who stopped treating some of these Roman gods as his god, and was now following jesus was now saying you're my god jesus and i'm gonna follow you the rest of my days and that's the church that got started there in philippi And then later on, Paul writes this book called Philippians, which is to the church in Philippi. And I guess those who know Greek say it is full of just love and compassion to the people there in Philippi and their situation. And I just think Paul loved this church because of the amazing way it got started. Well, there are a lot more adventures there that we could go into in the book of Acts. Just to shorten it up here, what happens is Paul essentially goes on a third missionary journey. Him and Silas, first missionary journey was with Barnabas, where they basically went out in the Gentile territory and started planning churches. The second missionary journey was when they visited those churches and pushed out a little further and then went to Philippi, went into Europe for the first time. And then the third missionary journey, it's expanding more and more, and him and Silas are going around encouraging the churches that they've started and trying to plant more but then Paul he knows that the Lord God Almighty is asking him to go back to Jerusalem now why does he want him to go back to Jerusalem because Paul ultimately wants to preach in Rome to Caesar well On his way back to Jerusalem, a lot of the people in the churches are telling him, don't go, don't do it. And they're making all these prophecies about, some people are saying, hey, you're going to be bound and it's going to end up bad. Don't go, don't go. But Paul knows in his heart he should. He knows in his heart that this is what he wants to do. And not only that, God wants him to do it. And when he gets to Jerusalem finally, he meets with James, one of the church leaders, And James says, hey, a lot of the people here, the Jewish Christians, have been hearing that you've been telling people to forego Jewish law and the Gentiles can do anything. Well, if we're going to make good with these Jewish Christians here, or I should say some of the Jews who were saved out of the Jewish religion to now serve Jesus and see him as their Messiah... Why don't you go into the temple and and, and just begin to show that I'm for keeping the law. I'm for keeping these moral laws that are important to you Jewish people. I'm just saying that Jesus is the Messiah. And I think there's some confusion there. And Paul later on writing in Romans set some of this stuff straight, but Paul gets up there and he's like, I want to be to the Jewish people what they need me to be so I can bring them to Christ. And he he goes up with some young men who are finishing this Nazarite vow and he was going with them. Well, people got the wrong idea and they began to attack Paul. And they were going to kill him just like they had done to Stephen when these Romans showed up. And they said, stop. And Paul said, I am a Roman citizen. You've got to protect me here. And they're hauling him off. And Paul says, stop. And he wants to tell the people about Jesus. And he begins to tell them his story of conversion, of how he was saved. And before he gets finished, they're trying to attack him again. And so they take him out. And at that point, Paul could go free and he could go do other things. But he says, you know what? My ultimate goal is to get to Rome. I want to preach to Caesar himself. And so the Jews accuse him of some things that are not true. And so essentially he uses the legal system back there to say, hey, I'm going to argue my case from this court to this court to this court to eventually plead my case and preach to Caesar. So he's passed from court to court until finally he's on his way to Rome. Finally, Paul is going to Rome to the highest court in the land to plead his case. But ultimately, his goal is to preach Jesus to Caesar. Well, he leaves for Rome under the guard because essentially he's a prisoner. Like I said, for wrong reasons. The Jewish people accused him of some bad things that aren't true. And then he's passed from court to court within the Roman legal system trying to defend things that aren't true. But ultimately, he wants to go to Rome. And so finally, he gets to go to the highest court in the land. But he's in Jerusalem at this point, And he wants to get to Rome all the way in Italy to preach to Caesar. Well, to do that, the Roman legal authorities put him under the custody of a centurion named Julius. Now, a centurion was a pretty high official within the army. He had men under him who looked up to him. He was essentially captain of many men. He was a man that people looked to for leadership. And he gets on this boat with Julius the centurion. And Julius the centurion is in charge of Paul. Paul is Julius's prisoner. And they get on this boat and they start heading out to Rome. Well, They leave Jerusalem and they start to work their way up the coast because back then they didn't have big ships and ships were made out of wood and, and also they didn't have gasoline and motors and so the way they drove ships was with the wind and sails up and so the best way was to sort of stay near the coast as best you could depending on the wind and well they start in Jerusalem and Paul starts to head off with Julius while they're working their way up the coast and they stop in a town called Sidon. Now, it's interesting here that they stop in a town called Sidon, but the reason they stop there is because they want to maybe get some supplies and refresh themselves and that sort of thing. Well, they, they, they stop there, but it's interesting. Not only do they stop there, but Paul stops And gets out. So it says there in Acts 27, verse 3, that Julius treated Paul kindly and let Paul get out, get off the boat in this town called Sidon to go visit his friends. And notice it says there in verse 3, and to be cared for. Man, this is amazing. Julius is a centurion who's in control of hundreds of men But he sees something different in Paul. I mean, if you are guarding a prisoner, you don't just let him go out into the city, right? You would follow him and make sure that, you know, he gets back. Because what if he lets him out of the city and Paul just runs off? And I think in the short time he's with Paul, Julius sees something different. He knows Paul can be trusted. And man, Paul needs the encouragement. And it says there that he gets off at Sidon and his friends care for him. You know, I just want to encourage you. We all, time after time, right? We need the encouragement of other believers. You know, when you're out there in the world and you're trying to live for the Lord and man, things that work don't always go the way that you think they should or or maybe physically you get sick and I just want to encourage you, you can get down and depressed and you just maybe want to stay in your house and never go out again. But that's not the biblical model. The biblical model is we need the body of believers. We need the gifts that God has given other Christians. We need the encouragement and think about it. Paul is beaten with rods. He was Beaten with an inch of his life. He'd suffered a lot for the sake of the Lord. And maybe he's still recovering from some wounds here. He's basically a prisoner this whole time, which probably means he doesn't get to eat the greatest. And maybe he got some better food. He, Or maybe he just needed spiritual encouragement. Yes, don't give up. You're heading to Rome. Yes, don't give up. You're headed in the right direction. Well, he gets to spend a day with his friends and eventually he gets back on that boat he doesn't run away julius trusts him julius now is looking at paul it's interesting julius the centurion should be in charge but in the rest of the story and what happens on that boat it's clear paul is in charge paul is this natural leadership ability that sort of comes to the head and other people look at him when you spend time with paul you see an energetic person full of ideas and leadership and i think julius saw that and then i think he also saw jesus and he said i can trust this guy this guy is different so eventually they head up the coast to a town called myra and from there in myra they get on another boat now this other boat it's a different ship and it's from the city alexandria in egypt and it's carrying a lot of grain and the reason they have to get on this boat instead of the boat they were on is because it's getting late in the year this is around late september early october and the wind is starting to blow harder and julius the centurion paul probably knows as well they got to get on a heftier ship that if we're going to make it across the mediterranean to rome so they get on this other ship that's heading to rome it started out from alexandria but they got on it because this ship could make it it's heftier it's a better ship let's do this So in Acts 27, verse 7, it says they sailed slowly for a number of days. Why? Because, like I said, it's late September, early October, and that wind is blowing it is blowing hard against them and it takes a lot of using the sail correctly to move forward trying to go against that wind and eventually they get under this island called crete they sail they call it's called sailing under it because the wind hits that island and breaks up a little and now it's sort of going under that island oh the wind's not blowing as hard it's a little easier to get going But it was still difficult because that wind kept blowing. But eventually they come to a place on the island of Crete called Fair Havens. Now, this sounds like a wonderful place. You know, Fair Havens on an island called Crete. Why would you not want to stay at Fair Havens? Well, the captain of the ship he did not want to stay at fair havens to him fair havens was the small town it may have sounded wonderful but it was small it only had a motel six or a super eight you know didn't have a fancy sheraton or a hilton plus if he could get to the city and port of phoenix just around the corner just a little bit down there on crete Then they could winter it out in Phoenix, and they got some nice hotels. They've got a really nice port. It's going to take them a while. They could spend months in Phoenix, and it would be so much nicer. Well, the captain basically persuades Julius. We need to do this. We need to go to this better port called Phoenix. Now, again, they're going to be on that same island of crete it's just down the road a little bit it's not that hard well the problem is this paul he says the opposite he says to julius instead hey we need to stay here in fair havens the weather out there is bad the wind is blowing strong now the thing is paul knows what he's talking about paul according to scripture has been shipwrecked two times already and he knows how horrible it is to be shipwrecked he spent a night in the in the sea just trying to survive that's how bad one shipwreck was he's been through this and he knows you do not want to go through a shipwreck you do not want to go through this. And he just felt that if they stayed at Fair Havens, it may not be the best part in the world, but at least they're alive and at least they're safe and at least they're not bobbing up and down in water. You don't want to go through a shipwreck. And he was trying to persuade Julius to stay where they are. But Julius probably influenced by the sailors sides with the captain he's like nope we had better go on the way to phoenix says there in acts 27 verse 11 that julius paid more attention to the captain you know the person who knew the area he should know better than anybody he's thinking he said he paid more attention to the pilot and the owner of the ship to what paul says fair haven sounds nice but it's much better to stay in phoenix we can do this we can do this so they decided we're going paul's shaking his head the whole way don't go julius is saying we are going and so he drags paul back onto the boat now all of a sudden that strong wind that had been blowing right had had been stopping them they could go for it but so slowly finally that wind one day dropped and instead the south wind came up and began to blow gently they're thinking now's our time to go The captain and the the sailors, they're like, yes, see, we were right. That nasty north wind to stop. Now we got a gentle south wind. This is exactly what we need. We're just going to go around the corner on Crete there to Phoenix. It'll be fine. It'll be great. And so they get in the boat and, yes, they throw up their sails. When all of a sudden, they look over. Paul sees it, Julius sees it, the captain sees it, and they're already out to sea when all of a sudden the worst thing they can imagine is about to descend upon them, and that is... Well, if you come back next week, we're going to find out what this horrible thing that's about to descend upon them is. But for now, I just want to encourage you, just do right. Keep doing right. You know, Paul says, I need to get to Rome. I need to get to Jerusalem. And man, it cost him, but he still did what was right. He did what God had laid on his heart. And by faith, he knew he had to step out and follow God no matter what. But along the way, he sought the encouragement and the comfort of believers But isn't it great to hear how the church in Philippi was started? Isn't it great to hear what God did to transform people's lives? And I just want to end with that final thought. Have you answered that big question? What must I do to be saved? Do you answer that? Maybe some of you are answering it. What must I do to be saved? I don't care. I'm walking away from it. I don't care. I like the stories of the Bible, but they don't change me. I hope... That you're not that way. I hope when you hear that question, What must I do to be saved? that you will say, along with Paul, along with Silas, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. Thank you for listening to Baldhead Bible Podcast.